Please pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And as this psalm instructs us, Lord, with the range of a human emotion that you've given us, we pray most of all that we would find our ultimate satisfaction and contentment in you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So we continue on with our series in the Psalms, and I know what you're thinking. Jack, not another happy psalm. Can't we just do something a little more depressing and sad? Well, I figured I'd like to start out with an uplifting story as we talk about what it means to feel restless. One Sunday, uh, Saturday afternoon, I was sitting on the couch, and I just wanted to relax and read some articles on my phone. And my two youngest daughters, who I received permission to share the story, were playing, but they just couldn't find satisfaction in anything they were doing. They were bouncing around from one activity to the next, and they were fighting, and they were loud, and, and they just couldn't settle. And of course, I couldn't concentrate and I was growing irritated. I was growing restless, right? And so I got an idea, just dropped in my head, because at this time, Abigail, who is five, was really into doing staring contests. (laughs) And she was really good at it. And so I said uh, to her and Brianna, I said, girls, grab two dolls, and why don't you have a staring contest between the two dolls? So immediately, they got excited, and they sat down, and they held up their dolls facing each other, and I said, okay, on the count of three, I didn't give them time to think about it, I said, on the count of three, one, two, three, and the staring contest began, and there was silence, (laughs) and I sat back and pulled out my phone and started reading the articles. Now, every once in a while, I had to step in and keep it going. I said, ooh. This is a nail-biter. Who's going to win this one? And Abigail, Brianna's doll, is really good at staring contests. Well, about two minutes into this, Brianna goes, wait, what are we doing? How do we know who's going to win? And of course, that was the point. But I say that because, you know, kids, it's easy to see when children are restless. But we adults... We are restless too. We just do a much better job at hiding it, masking it. To be restless is to have that inability to relax, to rest, to find satisfaction and contentment. And it's usually due to boredom or feeling unproductive or waiting or we're really wounded, we're hurt. And sometimes we don't even know why we feel restless. We feel like we need something, but we don't know what that something is. And we don't even know why we need it. Now, being restless is different from the anxiety and the fear that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Because anxiety that is from fear has a way of paralyzing us. It it renders us unable to act or to decide. But when we're restless, we feel this pressure to do something, to take matters into our own hands. 
so that we might find some resolution, some satisfaction. And so Psalm 42 addresses the restless soul, but it's not due to boredom or feeling unproductive. The psalmist describes being in turmoil, which which is where we get this word restless from. It could be translated restless or turmoil. His wounds go down to his bones, he says. He has no appetite. Every day he can't hold back tears. And to make matters worse, he's surrounded by people who are mocking him, his faith, his circumstances. And he's struggling. He's desperate. And he gets to a point where he says, God, have you forgotten me? Have you ever been there? Have you ever gotten that, that bad news and you just feel like you've been shoved in a corner? But you don't want to stay there. You want to come out fighting. But you don't know where to swing. Have you ever felt like God has just taken way too long to address your circumstances that are painful and hard? And so when you are restless, I ask, I ask you this question. When you feel restless... Where do you normally turn for satisfaction or contentment? Fortunately for us, I've got good news. The Psalm 42 is a mascal. And we don't know exactly what that word means, but our basic understanding is that it's a song that has an instructional lesson. Much like how we listen to music today, we listen to songs that have good stories and good good advice. Although I always thought it was interesting that I listened to songs, uh, love songs written by these people who can't maintain a relationship (laughs) if their life depended on it, right? But I'm taking advice from them on love. It was written by the sons of Korah who have a fascinating backstory. We just don't have the time to go into it. But by this time, they were like musical worship leaders. But I encourage you to look into them. It's an amazing redemptive story. The psalmist declares right at the beginning the moral of this psalm. Satisfaction and contentment is found in God alone. There is no substitute. He says in verses 1 and 2, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The Hebrew word translated soul is the word nephesh. And it's unfortunate because the word soul kind of carries some unfortunate baggage, right? When we hear the word soul, sometimes we think of that invisible part of us that is uh, trapped inside of our, our physical body. But that's not what nephesh means. It's not really what the Hebrew mind thought of when it thought of the soul. The word is used when God breathes into the dirt and forms a living nephesh. In fact, it's also used to talk about when he created animals. They became living nephesh. It refers to the entire physical being, the whole person. In its its most basic meaning, nephesh was the throat. And it's easy for us to see this here because uh, it's used to describe that, that sense of thirst. 
But when you think about it, the throat is like that essential part of the whole life, what goes in and what comes out. It's the way that we talk about our heart and our mind. Food, water, breath. And so it was natural then to use that word in a metaphorical sense to describe the whole person. And so we say, love the Lord your God with all of your being, with all of you. Not the invisible part of you, all of you. And so just as the throat can become thirsty, the whole person can long for God. But what do you do when in your heart of hearts you long for nothing but God? That's all you want. But your circumstances haven't changed. There is no solution in sight. What are you to do then? What are you to think? And that's where Psalm 42 becomes really instructional for us. It teaches us three important disciplines that I'd like to share with you. The first is in verse 4. When we are restless, we are to be faithful to worship God with the people of God. He says in verse 4, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The psalmist was longing for God. And what's the first memory that comes to his mind? Worshiping God with the people of God. It's like the... uh, It's like the prodigal son that we read this morning in in our gospel reading. When he came to his senses, what did he think of? He thought of how much better he had it back at his father's house. He wanted to be home. And this psalmist somehow was distant from the temple and he missed being with the people of God. When we are restless and in turmoil, It is often that we are tempted to not want to gather with the people of God and worship. We want to find something else to do to occupy our minds, to distract us. We shrink back. And this psalm reminds us, no, if you want to be close to God, be close to the people of God. Someone dropped an external hard drive in my office about a year ago and had a little post-it note and it said, Uh, old student ministry photos. I said, oh, well, cool. Fortunately, it took me a while to get around to it, but I I was able to plug it in. It had an old cable. That was why. And I had to find an older computer to do it. And I started looking through the photos. The next thing I know, I'm looking at photos from what was then New Grace Church going back to 2008. And one photo in particular stood out to me. It was when, uh, and I saw many of your faces, by the way, I, you guys were processing from the high school when you used to meet at the high school for worship and you processed, Luke clarified for me, down the road to walk into the newly constructed sanctuary. And the photo, it was Torn McKenzie. He was holding up uh, a banner. Guys, I was brought to tears. I just, I was overwhelmed with the rich history that is here at, at Grace Anglican. And I saw photos of Easter services and Christmas Eve services, processions when when someone must have been standing on top of here and took a photo down of the whole congregation. And I saw children that I know who are in high school and college and beyond 
who were infants and two and three and four years old. Now, some of you who are really sentimental, you say, Jack, that would make me depressed. I can understand that, but thank God for the memory of the righteous. That's what the proverb says. The memory of the righteous is a blessing. The gift to remember what the body of Christ means to us. And so when we are restless, we ought to be faithful to worship God with the people of God. Now, some of you may be saying, Jack, I have faith, but I still doubt. I don't really have those memories. I remember when my father passed away, I did not want to come to church. And I sat in the back, and it was so hard to get through some of these services because people were laughing and smiling, and inwardly, I was struggling. God, why did you let my father die the way that you did? And this is so painful. I think of the famous U2 song, those of you who know, uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And Bono sings about this, referring to Jesus. He says, you broke the bonds and you loosed the chains. You carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I encourage you, don't give up. Participate. Find someone trustworthy to share your doubts, your fears about the body of Christ, and bring them before the Lord. Because the gift of the body of Christ is a blessing. When we are restless, be faithful to worship God and the people of God. The second thing we see in verses 6 through 8, he says, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan. This is where he must have been, far away from the temple. From Hermon, the Mount Mitzar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Notice the psalmist says, your waterfalls, your waves, your breakers. He knows that the same God who is in control of those torrents that swell over him is the same God who is in command of his steadfast love. He says, you command your steadfast love, and your song is with me. So when you feel like you're drowning, and you're restless, and everything around you seems like it's out of control, remember God's steadfast love. So the second thing is that we take time to remember God's steadfast love, and we praise him for it. Maybe it's an answer to prayer that you remember. Maybe it's a person that God has put in your life. Maybe it's a scripture that comes to mind. Or just simply his presence. But here's the thing. We, we tend to keep that in our head and we say, yeah, that's nice. I'm thinking about that, God. I'm thinking about it. I would encourage you, give him praise. Speak it out loud. And the reason is, is because when we are restless, we do think a lot but we think about all of our options. We think about all of the what-ifs. We think about our dread. And moreover, when we talk about it, we talk about the complaints. We talk about the frustrations. 
And listen, there's a time and place for that. But to be fair, we need to be consistent and give voice to our praise. And so when you're in your car, when you're in the kitchen, when you're at work, think about God's steadfast love when you're restless. And give voice to it. Give him praise for it. So be faithful to worship God with the people of God and take time to remember God's steadfast love and give him praise. The third is found in a repeat of both verse 5 and 11. The psalmist says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The third discipline is we need to preach to ourselves, to borrow from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Tell yourself, consider the evidence, hope in God, know that you will praise him again. He is your only source of security, of deliverance, of hope. And this is not a passive hope. The verb here is an imperative. And an imperative verb is a command to do something. Just like Jesus says, go and make disciples. The imperative there is to make disciples. We think of hope sometimes as kind of like sitting on our hands and just waiting on God. But this is an active hope. One author said, to have hope in the Lord is to be decided in your convictions. When we think of our first lesson this morning, Abraham was decided in his convictions of who God was after he tried taking matters into his own hands, right? And by faith and in hope, he looked forward to the inheritance that God promised because he knew God was faithful. That was his conviction. He didn't know exactly what God would do or what the outcome would be. He knew who God was. And he even goes on to say Sarah knew that he was faithful in his promise. What are your decided convictions about who God is? Who is God? And how can that inform and satisfy and bring contentment in the midst of restlessness? He isn't asking, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Because he's giving up. It's a rhetorical question. God, when I consider that you are in control, you have an unfaithful love for me. You've given me the memories of the righteous in my life. Why would I have any reason to be restless? God has not forgotten you. He is your source of hope and security and deliverance from the power of sin and spiritual darkness. Now, if you're like me, you may be saying to yourself, Jack, I believe all these things, but the thing that I really wrestle with is the when question, right? God, when will you show up? When will you deliver? And I'm encouraged because the psalmist says the same thing in verse 2. He says, when can I come and appear before you? And the Masoretes, who were the, the old uh, Hebrews who would, who would make copies of the Old Testament, 
The thought of seeing God face to face was blasphemous. And they toned down the language of this verse a little bit and said, when shall I appear before God? But the original translation really ought to be, when shall I see God's face? When do we see God's face? Brothers and sisters, that is in the person of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. He is the perfect image of the Father. And he knows what it's like to be taunted. He knows what it's like to feel that mysterious sense of being forsaken. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. Jesus can identify us, identify with us. When he took our sins upon himself on the cross. When Jesus declares on the Sermon on the Mount, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. I think of when he fed the multitudes with five barley loaves and two small fish. It was a poor person's meal. The gospel says they were satisfied. You shall be filled when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is not a pleasant experience. I don't, you know, anytime I'm hungry, I get irritable. I get frustrated. I don't feel good. And I think that when we go through a period of restlessness, it is a purifying um, exercise. We are confronted with the things that we're turning to for satisfaction and contentment that don't last. They are the dead gods who taunt us and say, where is God in your pain? They are the ones that abandon us when we really need the living God. Alcohol, lust, drugs, money, power, our cell phones, they promise us deliverance. But they are the dead gods that abandon us. We need the living God. Satisfaction and contentment are found in the triune God alone. But even in the midst of our circumstances when we are waiting on the Lord, remember to be faithful to worship God with the people of God. Remember to take time to dwell upon God's steadfast love and give him praise. And remember to preach to yourself Hope in God. Wait upon him. Don't take matters into your own hands. For he is your hope, your rock, and your salvation. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the psalmist that instructs us, who reminds us that we have a sure and steadfast hope in the living God, who is our rock, who is our salvation. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who is restless, who is in turmoil, and may you give them the gift of remembrance, the friends, the family who care, the memories of the body of Christ, the reminder that you have not abandoned us in our moment of need. Lord, help us to remember your steadfast love wherever we are, even if we feel distant from you. And may, by that motivation, Lord, may our hope compel us to take steps of faith, to look forward to what you have in store, because you are good and you are trustworthy. In Jesus' name, amen.